Oh, hello, friends. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to Jan Stevenson. That's right, the Jan Stevenson that has three majors and 15 hole-in-ones, and now she's making awesome wine out of Paso Robles. We had a really fun conversation. She's very funny. And uh, at the end of the episode, I'm going to give you a little uh, tidbit into 20% off of her wines that we are now carrying. So enjoy the show and uh, cheers. 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 How are you? Good, Anthony. How you doing? Beautiful. So, uh, again, we will continue to drive this home. Every week we are gaining quite a bit of followers. So, to reintroduce myself, my name is Anthony. I'm Perry. And uh, today we are here with the uh, brilliant and ever-so-talented Jan Stevenson. <laughs> How are you? Thank you. It's great to be here. I love this cell and I love all the wine you guys have. It's like <laughs> so impressive. <laughs> it's, it's, it gets a little cold in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We can warm up with some wine. There you oh, go. Beautiful. So we wanted to have you in. We wanted to kind of uh, pick your brain and talk about you know some of the great things you're doing. We did a podcast a few weeks ago on uh, Paso Robles and it's something that we feel like is one of the hottest AVAs right now. It's quickest growing. I mean, yeah. there's gaining a lot of traction there, and that seems to be where you found your home. But um, before we get into that, let's let's kind of talk about what brings you into the wine world as a whole. Well, you know, I, I, part of when I played on tour, we actually had what was called a cellar club. And we would, because we traveled on tour every t- all the time, we would call ahead and say, give us a restaurant that will let us bring our own wine and that's got a great selection of wines because on one day of that week we would have we would choose which day we would do it so and everybody used to joke oh jan will probably bring some kind of low rent box wine because she doesn't know anything about it and it was just always this joke right not that now there's great box wines but we're talking 10 15 years ago there weren't very many good ones back then right and so i went to australia uh back home i always went back home for christmas in the summertime and I went up to Hunter Valley, which is one of the famous ones close to where I lived. And, and the, one of my wine, the winemaker that was there had, was actually was a winemaker that was in Paso, but he was back home for Christmas. And I've known him, he's famous in Australia. His name's Chris Cameron, and he mm. had one winemaker there four out of five years. And he said, you know, I'm working in a place called Paso Robles. And well, I'd never heard of that. So I was like, okay, big deal. But then he said, you need to go to sommelier school. So he put me in a sommelier school in Hunter Valley. And I did a fast course for, you know, I was, I was home for the, for the Christmas. So I did a quick course. And I got so hooked on it in that one time going up there once a week for, you know, for the six weeks. And... So when I came back, I went from knowing nothing to now being the expert at the at the cellar club. So <laughs> I went to visit Chris, and um, and he was working at two vineyards. And I said, "Could I?" So I knew the owner of the one. He was actually owned golf courses, and so he let me buy a little piece of the vineyard, and uh, I got into it there with Chris. And Chris is one of those people that he's like, "You can't just put your name on it. You're going to have to come prune." You're going to have to be there for harvest. I want you to do the blending and see how you go. And so I was there every year for the last eight years learning the business and got so hooked on it. Wow, that's incredible. That's Is that like when you started getting into wine? Was it because you were golfing and touring or was that something that came earlier, you know, in your life? 
Well, you know, I really didn't drink that much when I was full-time on tour. It was probably when we started the, the senior tour in 208. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. uh, so really only 10 years. Up until then, it was just, you know, wine, whatever, the pro-am parties are drinking. It was no big deal. And then all of the, the players there, a lot of the players were really into it. And especially on the men's tour, there were a lot of men when you'd be on tour with them, they'd talk about these great wines. And so then I, it was actually fun to go from one extreme to the other. But it wasn't something I was really that hooked on. And, 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 I, and I think that's probably why I'm so excited about it now is because it wasn't something, it was the last part of my career and the last part of my life has been in, with wine. That's beautiful. I, uh, I think that it's a, a very special thing that, you know, it seems to be that there, a lot of people are attaching their names to uh, wines and, and, uh, and spirits and such. But to have someone like you who's actually involved in, in every step of the process, that's a, that's a great thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, you, it, anyone can kind of put their name to it. But the fact that you're there for Harvest every year, is, it's beautiful. Yeah, I and, mean, you know, that's just hard work. I mean, when the <laughs> first time, you know, when it was like, okay, you're going to pull the wines from the, you know, the truck and, and get them into the destemmer. And then every day in that 100 degree heat, I'm like, okay, when am I going to learn about wine? This is just physical hard work. <laughs> but it was, you know, they were putting me through the, you know, the, the ropes. And it was actually interesting because I got to learn when you have the crusher, you know, when to stop when, so that it doesn't have that aftertaste of the skins. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in, you know, and of course, I didn't know that you should be spitting it out when you're tasting. And they <laughs> always used to laugh at me and the next day I had diarrhea so bad. Oh, no. It was like, I was so sick and they all were just chuckling, you know? Yeah. And I didn't know because I'm tasting it and drinking it and they're all like, somebody should tell her that that's why we've got this spit thing here, you know? So I was so sick. Oh no. Well, I think that when we kind of tasted through these wines, mm-hmm. we, you know, it was kind of uh, presented to us to bring them in. I, I love the labeling on it. The packaging is great. Uh, I, I, I like that everyone's a little different, a little colorful. It's, it's very beautiful. But that only goes so far, right? The, and the name only goes so far. And, uh, and we've talked about this before. Everything that gets brought into the store, no matter how the story is, no matter how great you know the setup is, if it's not good wine, it doesn't come into the store. I mean, there's, there's big names that we refuse to carry. It's just that's the way it is. We want to make sure we like it and that we can get behind it. And 20 years into this industry, just in this location, I think that we've built enough of a following that people kind of understand you know if it's if it's garbage we're not we're not bringing it in but so when this was presented to us we we sat down we tasted through it and we we thought you know wow this is this is something we really can get behind and we can kind of uh, uh kind of build this up we've taken our time with it uh you know this was presented to us probably several weeks ago yeah and I, we've I carried imagine. the wines in the past too but you've added new wines since the last yes time and i think they've improved i mean we've you know it because my, chris has only been there for 10 years too and so mm-hmm. he's brought in a lot of different vines and um you know and we tore out a lot of my merlot which i was very sad about <laughs> but mm. over here nobody likes merlot as much but it is in my blend but you know the thing that i've enjoyed is is changing it up and and when i come here i mean your your store is amazing because it is quality and the thing is i've got to go to so many country clubs and do wine tastings and every time i tried to get the price down i couldn't get the quality right and i'm like you know i've got to stand there when they're tasting it and i've got to talk about it and my name's on the line you know and everything we've done from being number one in the world and everything i've done through there you know, with the, the golf clubs I play are the best in the world. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't afford to. And even though, 
you know, I mean, the prices that you're carrying, I was pretty impressed that they're really, you've got the price down as, as much as we can get it. <laughs> so that part of it is good too. But, and you know, you talk about the labels. I mean, I always like, you know, pretty bottles and pretty labels, but it's so hard to keep, you know, the quality of the product's more important than spending it on the Absolutely. packaging. Mm -hmm. Even though packaging's important, I just felt like I, you know, I did. I I used to have really colorful labels, and I've got. I've kind of. This is toned down for me, <laughs> because I think people. I think the product will speak for itself. Well, I mean, it's just the right amount of toned down. I mean, it's still a bottle. And in retail, uh, and you can speak to this. I think labeling is very important. Uh, I mean, it, it's the casual passerby that catches your eye. I come from Salming restaurants, and that isn't as important to me. Uh, you know, people don't see it. It's in the cellar. It's yeah. you see what's on the list. You see what the sommelier recommends to you. That's what it is. It's good. It's good juice. You talk about what it is. In the in the retail side of things, labels do catch people's eyes yeah. quite often. And I, I'll tell you, I love your rosé. Uh, that's the newest wine for me. Yes. Uh, it's just really bright and you know perfect for what we do down here in Florida. You know, beach pool. Yeah. Um, what's the varietal? Is it uh, Grenache? It is a Grenache, Grenache. yes. Yeah. And the thing is that I've been wanting a rosé, and it's getting more and more popular, and there's so many. You go, gosh, why do I want to get into that biz that part of it when there's so many to choose from? But I, again, like you said, Perry, I want something that you can drink down here because, you know, you can chill it. And, you know, I mean, I've had women put ice over it and go, you're going to be really upset if I do that. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't care. It's, it's yours if that's how you want it and you want it ice cold. But, you know, especially Florida and, and this one, one um I, it's very refreshing as you it know is. it's 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 kind of it's very tart um and i i don't like sweet wines at all and, and like when with my chardonnay i mean my chardonnay um if you talk about that it, you know 218 but we keep it um a little bit extra in the stainless steel because i really want to get the sugar lower right and so i mean it makes the the alcohol like up to 14 percent but i think that really helps with it's the still wine. it's a really balanced chardonnay that yeah was one thing i liked about it i like it's a type of chardonnay where i could sit down and have it with a with a meal but it's also a type of chardonnay that i would not mind just opening again and having it you know as a little cocktail wine. it's a cocktail wine absolutely yeah. the one that impressed me the most uh, of course the reserve is is on its own but the one that impressed me i i blinded it you know i i didn't know what the varietal composition was but as soon as i tasted that white blend i said oh this is viognier she's talking to me here this yeah and you, and you sang it the right way you know you see these people say it and it's like well i can't say viognier too and everybody goes what's that you know and and i it's probably i know i'm stuck between that and the red blend but the white blend is probably my favorite because it 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 has you know, I, I try to get a Sauve Blanc because I, I love, you know, I still love Marlboro and, sure. and New Zealand for some of the Sauve Blancs. And every time I said to my winemaker, Chris, of like, can we grow some Sauve Blanc? He goes, how many times have I tell you it's too hot here to grow? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, and he, you know, he slaps me over the hand. I'm like, but can I get one that's similar? So when we grew these grapes and he was like, okay, I'm going to take you to the lab. And we pulled from the stainless steel and he says, play it with it for the day until you can get... It's close to that taste, but ha it'll have more because I have more character because there's going to be three in there. Yeah. And because and, there's different ones. You've got the Albarino and the Grenache and the Viognier. So it was like, okay, I, I think I got it close. And then he kind of 
tipped it off a little bit of the X, you know, made it the right percentage. And he goes, that is close as you're going to get to a Saw Blanc, but it's going to have way more character. Absolutely. It's very complex. I love it. And I love the the usage of uh, Albarino in it. I, yeah. I mean, it's a cool blend. It's very cool. Yeah. And Albarino, I mean, that's a, that's something we've been talking a lot about lately, too. You know, the salinity yeah. behind it is beautiful. Um, but then let's talk about your uh, your red blend, because you said that's your other your other... I think that's my sleeper superstar, and I always was the white blend, but this one, you know, I remember when um, Chris was in, you know, in France, because he's got one of his kids goes to school there, and he says, I'm, and this was about four or five years ago, I'm bringing back a grape called Tannet, T-A-N-N-A-T, mm -hmm. which yeah. I'd never even heard of, mm -hmm. and, and I had, so I went out after he said that, he was growing it, and I went, well, I'm going to taste some Tannet, and it was so strong. And it was straight, it was 100%. And I'm like, this is too much in your face. I'm never gonna want it in my in mine. And then the problem with my other red blends, whenever I mix them, he said they're, they're too smooth. They mm. don't have enough personality for, especially for males. You know, right. because he said, you still gotta have it with a, re with a piece of red meat. It's, it's not gonna be there. It's not gonna be strong enough. So when he talked me into putting it in there, I'm like, oh, I don't know, but, he was right. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to his face, but it really changed everything because I, I now am shocked how much I like it. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Tanat actually adds quite a bit of backbone to it. You get all, it depends on where it's grown, obviously, but well, Paso would be the perfect Paso's place to grow. the perfect spot for sure. And with Paso Tanat, I get kind of like a almost a meatiness to it. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of green, but it's it's meat. But the heat it's, of Paso really leans to brings that fruit into the Tanat that you uh, you know, in the versions from France and in the versions from the that area where France meets Spain are so tannic and so super dry that right. it's hard to drink. Yeah. But areas like Paso, Argentina, uh, Uruguay, as we know, sure. are making beautiful tonight. Yeah, I think so. And and as we talked about last week, what is there, 45 different soil compositions in Paso? So yeah. you, you really have, uh, you know, anything that you could want, especially with the diurnal shift. It brings that cooler air in at night. It, it really does a great job working with the uh, with the grape itself. So the, I love, there's 11... Uh, uh, AOCs are, are in in uh, Paso. Do you pull from multiple or is there no? Just, we're just one estate. Just one so estate. between mine and the next door neighbors, which mm -hmm. Chris works for both, the one that I bought from, because when we talk about like it's amazing how much you know about Paso because you're absolutely <laughs> right about it. You know, I used to call it was like it's like refrigerating the grapes at night because of that cold air coming because yeah. it's hot there in the day. For sure. And then when we tried to to put the Petit Bordeaux in my first one. Mm. But that what a pain the neck grape that was. Yeah, that's <laughs> a tough one. Yeah, it's... and I didn't like that. It was like, this is waiting for it to, to, to the very end for it to harvest and all of that. And just like you're saying, Perry, that he actually got the grapes right from, from that, the tannet from the border of, of Spain and France. Uh -huh. yeah. So they came from those vines you were talking about. So. But Paso is, has was been a sleeper for a long time, but it's not anymore. It's not anymore. There's there's <laughs> so much going into Paso right now, and there's a lot of focus on it everywhere. And it's I think it's going to be uh, one of the the more well known AVAs. I think coming out of California. Yeah, we might uh, have to we might have to ask you for some uh, help if we take a little trip out there. And who should we go see? Absolutely, yeah, definitely, and obviously my. My <laughs> and my winemaker, because you can—he's fun and he's very straight, and so he's real sarcastic. Well, let's talk funny. about him for a second. Uh, introduce us to him. You said his, his, his name is Chris Cameron. Okay. And as I said, he was a superstar in Australia. When if you know he, if you go in the wine world, they know him way more than they know me. <laughs> he is—he's um, one of those people that he believes in everything being done from the old-fashioned way. 
Like people were saying, how come some of the wines are old, like the 18 for Chardonnay? He does not rush, and he doesn't have any of the fake silver things. He likes to feel like he's giving back to the earth. So we've got, he lets all the birds lay there. He wants all of those natural things. And and uh, we actually, are, are sol- we have a lot of solar. So we're not even attached to the grid. So we do everything. Wow. Um, so it's all self-sustained. Nice. That's incredible. And uh, I noticed too, and when I was reading a little bit about Paso, the, there's some locations have about 29 inches of rain a year, and then some locations only have eight inches of a rain a year. Yeah, we're so, really lucky. We have a lot of water because we, um, because of in Australia, you know, we have to, we don't have any, very many rivers and we don't have any snow. So any water, we capture all our own water. So he built a huge dam right when we first started. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have a lot of water. And then when we got dry, we could sell some of our electricity back to the grid to for water. So oh, awesome. we were pretty lucky that way. And well, he he really is pretty smart that way but the the with these vineyards they're up so high when you get to we talk about the reserve it's at the very top of the hill and uh, and my chardonnay is is got a little change in in uh, elevation okay. as well well let's talk about your reserve this is the only one we haven't talked about this is the one that of course it it stands you know heads and shoulders over everything this is a, a great wine especially at that price point uh I, we we got a, a great price on it and and let's hear you talk about it a little bit well you know it was one of those ones that was at the top of the mountain and it was my next door neighbors and every time I'd see everybody everything was done by hand you know obviously you know I had to learn to prune but they actually had the the lock and key and they'd go up there and they would treat Hmm. it treat it like it was a baby I'm like what's up there and and they go that's the reserve grate and I was like well it's the same as my cab grate really (laughs) but then you know everything was done by hand crushed by hand and then as soon as the the high-end French oak came in it got it first Uh and so it's babied from and and that it lasts a long time I mean it really needs to sit and That's kind of my impression of it as well. When I tasted it, I thought that, you know, it it's very approachable now. It's it's surprisingly approachable now uh, because the, what I took from it, again, let's circle back to Paso. It kind of comes in, it cools things down at night, drives up that pH, that acidity a little bit, and allows it to lay down for a little bit longer. You saying that it's up on the top of the hill makes a little more sense. It's a little cooler, right? So mm-hmm. with it being able, my first impression was, wow, what is this going to be in, in 15, 20 years? This is going to be, you know, really outstanding. But right now, it's it's still very approachable. You throw it in a decanter, you, you know, let it sit there for a half hour, and that's going to be singing with a steak, you know? I, to me, I think that's what I would go with it. I don't when know I that first tasted it, that's exactly what I thought. I thought, oh, this is steakhouse wine, man. This is, yeah. this is a big one that you want to let rest or... You know, the, the thing, too, that I when I first tasted it, and I had tasted it with Eric. Eric had opened it up mm-hmm. and let me try it. But also, I got Paso out of it. I, de- I definitely got that terroir of that, that earthier flavor yep. that I, you get sometimes get from Paso wines. Um, so uh, when I tasted it, that was the first thing that came to my mind was like a thick, juicy, bone-in T-bone. Yeah. Something like that. D- yeah. yeah, I think so. I don't think it's uh, grippy enough for like a ribeye, but I think T-bone, I think New York Strip, I think that's... You know, it's a great steakhouse wine. That's yeah, what it's I, definitely. I I like that idea because I, I've even even maybe some lamb chops, but yeah, it um and I've always felt like the red blend was better for like pork and stuff and even some of the seafoods. Sure. But my two ten reserve, I think, is great now, so I know that's going to be a good wine to keep. Yeah, right. I think so as well. So uh, I think that 
I think that these are great wines. I think they have a great story behind them. Uh, like you said, you, you can find them in a lot of country clubs, but I, I think that uh, having them online and, and pushing yeah. them out, I, I think it's going you to be... You can order them all at edsfinewines.com on our website now. You can order them and have them shipped to uh, most states, and then also you can just pick them up right here in the store. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, before we get out of here, I want to hear... I, I just got one thing to ask. You're one of the most... I don't know popular names, especially in the in the uh, the golfing world. Let's hear let's hear a cool story, something that you remember from being out on tour. I mean, there's some there's some fun stuff I know that you have. Well, I tell you, I think one of my favorite stories is that I was um, the first person to play Metal Woods, and oh. and uh, so what happened was I was playing actually in Florida at the Mixed Team Championship, and I would just in in what happens every other year, like if it was the top fifty got to invite somebody from the PGA Tour when we played a mixed team. So, and I invited this young guy called Freddie Couples that nobody had heard of. <laughs> and, and I knew it was a long hitter and I was like a top player. So they went, okay, if you want to bring on this young, this young rookie, that's fine. So we're on the driving range and we're getting ready to play a practice round. And, and you couldn't do it now because they have such security. But this guy came up and he had a whole bunch of these golf clubs in his hand that we'd never seen. They had metal he heads on them. And, you know, we all played wood, persimmon wood back then. And he goes, um, I have a letter from the USGA that this is now a legal club. And we went, what is it? And he said, it's a metal three wood that was called a spoon. And we're like, oh, okay, well, we're too busy getting ready to go play a practice round. And he goes, I guarantee it'll go 30 yards past your three wood. And I went, there's no way that a club could be that much better than my three wood. And so Freddie says, well, let's hit it because if that's possible, we can get, because it was alternate shot, we could get onto this par five on 15 that I was just short of the water and I couldn't get across. He said, but you could get across with this if that really is the case. So we went out and played a practice round and sure enough, this club went about 25 yards further in the air. <laughs> and so we could reach 15. So I came back and I said to the guy, his name was Gary Adams, I said, hey, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to play your club, which means it's going to be on TV because, you know, uh, I'm the superstar yeah. pretty much, right? <laughs> and he goes, well, I've got a problem. I brought down a, a, a trunk full of these clubs and I've been giving them out. And, I've, and I'm actually, I have a, a contract with um, the foundry to make these golf clubs, but I don't have enough money to get back to Wisconsin. I need gas money. I, I thought I'd get to sell all these clubs and everybody's expected them for free. And I'm like, you want me to buy a golf club? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hello, that doesn't happen. You know, I get paid to, to golf clubs. And he said, well, he, I, I, and Fred goes, I'll pay the man, pay the man. So I wrote a check for $162. And this is back in 1979, which it was a lot of money right. back then. Yeah, and, yeah. and especially if I get paid to play right, golf clubs. I was getting paid by Hogan to play Hogan golf clubs. <laughs> So I went, okay, so I, so I did it. We finished fifth. We didn't win that year. And the man said, you're going to be the, when I get my contracts, you're going to be the first person I sign for, to play Metal Woods. And I'm like, that's fine. Here's your money. Go get your gas money. I love the golf club. And I thought that's fine. So my agent about eight months later calls me and goes, we've had the strangest call. They want us to go to this foundry in Wisconsin and they want to sign you for a lot of money to play these <laughs> golf clubs. And I went, no way, no this guy's way. actually going to do it, right? <laughs> so we fly up there and my agent sits down and says, okay, you know, it's 25000 base to play these golf clubs. And normally I only got like 5000 from Hogan. Wow. But they thought, well, he said he wanted, they've got plenty of money. 
and, and it said, now we've got a contract with Lloyds of London, it's an insurance policy in case she wins, because if she wins a tournament, it's 5,000 more on top of her base as the next year. And that's a five-year contract. And if she wins a major, though, it's a $25,000 bonus. <laughs> And so, but for $1,200, you can pay the insurance policy with Lloyds of London. So he's got this, so this Gary Adams guy got his lawyers and they go, she's never gonna win a major. He's, he's just, you know, he's doing that to pay her back. We're not taking any more money. We're not doing the $1,200. So what do I do? I win a tournament the next year, then I win a major. Then I win a major, <laughs> then I win a major. So I got to be the highest paid endorsed player, PGA or LPGA, LPGA. by 1983. So, uh, and again, probably in return, they sold a lot of golf clubs. Well, that's how they started with the calendar and the posters because ah. this was his, he, he, the company was called TaylorMade, oh. which nobody oh. knew back then, right? And this, that's what he called his company, was TaylorMade Metalwoods. Wow. And so what happened is they came and they said, you know, we've got to make up some of this money. We're going to do a poster with you with the club, which became the second la largest po poster next to Farrah Fawcett. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they got some of their money back. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. What a great story. Awesome. Well, God, we got to hear a golf story. We got to hear beautiful stories about wine and your winemaker. We thank you so much for coming in. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you, Perry. Thank you. Anthony. These wines are, are really are incredible. I, I like them. Yeah quite a bit and and w like i said we wouldn't bring them in if we didn't we couldn't get behind them nope. jane stevenson thank you oh thank, thank you, you. So it's much, great Jen. to see you guys right. cheers everybody cheers, And there it is. How funny is she? Very cool person to have on the episode. If you go to our website, now remember this is a website only deal. Add coupon code JAN to the checkout and you will get 20% off her wines across the board. All of them. It's a heck of a deal. They're great wines out of Paso Robles. Enjoy. Cheers. <laughs>